Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. scripture now and this is um, we're in our discover series um, that's focused on prayer and this is second Samuel 22 and we're gonna read all 50 verses 51 verses so get excited about that people there is power in the word and bear with me as I get through that okay I said and David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies And from the hand of Saul, he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, for I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of of death encompassed me, and the torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called. From my temple, he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed from forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him his canopy, thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. The channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place, he rescued me, because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according according to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. With the, mer- with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. With the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? 
This God is my refuge and has made my way and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and he set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with the strength for battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, those who hated me, and I destroyed them. They looked, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from my strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, my, and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me, who brought me out from my enemies, who exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Let us pray. So cool how a video and a little bit of editing and all that can make a blubbering fool like me look kind of cool. <laughs> so, Missy, that was a lot of scripture, hey? That was 51 verses that you just read through, and it took, what, about, I don't know, three, four, five minutes? Yeah, so, um, but it's actually a song, so I need you to do it again, but singing. Okay, no? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, hey, guys, since we're, since we're uh, discovering prayer, and specifically by diving into the songs of scripture, I wanted to start off by talking a little bit about music, and, and uh, can you guys, like... Does anybody have any cognitive memories of, of the earliest times you remember, like, encountering music or enjoying music? Like, what are some of those memories that you, that you have? And try, for a minute there, just, just try and take yourself back to, the, to those early days. And so for me, this is, this is one of my fondest memories, is sitting in my, in my dad's car uh, with the top down, because um, he had a convertible, he got a convertible like, you know, when I was about 10 or 12 or something like that. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, because before that, he drove a car kind of like what I drive, like this rusty little hatchback. Um, his was red, and it was a little Chevette, so it was really short, and it was, and it was manual, and it didn't have power steering, so anytime he went to turn, he was like, <laughs> and then he got this really cool convertible car, and I was so excited, and, and it had a CD player. Like, my car barely has a CD player right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a CD player back then, so it was like, wow, this is awesome. And so he'd put in this mixed CD that he would make. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, CD, C do you guys, yeah, do you kids know what a CD is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, before that became, uh, came <laughs> uh, cassette tapes with a little, a little ribbon that would go around this wheel, right? And even before that, these big plates of plastic <laughs> called vinyl records. 
you know, that would spin around and they had little bumps on them and a needle would hang out. Yeah, so technology's crazy, man. You kids don't even know. Uh, <laughs> so a CD-ROM, right? And he would stick it in there and for those of you who don't know, this, this machine robot thing would eat your CD. It would take it in and it would start spinning it around. And uh, anyways, so, so my dad made this uh, mixtape and, uh, and on it um, was some like really cool music. Anyone heard of Simon and Garfunkel? Come on now. Yeah, some of you kids, I'm surprised you put your hand up. Jeff, you just, you're way too young for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Thyme, Scarborough Fair, that kind of stuff. So good. Um, who else is on there? Jimi Hendrix. I don't know if, if you got... Mike, you'll love this. So have you ever heard Jimi Hendrix play the American National Anthem on electric guitar? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Actually? Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. He's so creative. He, like, when, it, when it's, like, the time for the bombs bursting in air part, like, somehow he's, like... Like he makes it sound like bombs, and it's just him and just a guitar. Like he gets, he brings it to life just on an, uh, an electric guitar. And there's no singing; it's just this electric guitar. It's really cool. Um, anybody know Don McLean? Come on, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, because you're about my dad's age. Um, <laughs> no, you're still younger than him by a long shot. But, uh, but. For, you, for those of you who don't know Don McLean, you'll know his song, American Pie, right? Bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the... You're like, no, Adam. Yeah. Come on. Good old boys are drinking whiskey and rye, singing this will be the day that I die. Yeah, come on. So, and I... <laughs> That's a... <laughs> I should have finished it. I'm sorry I abandoned you in your time of need. And, yeah, I'm such a horrible friend. I know. <laughs> Thanks, brother. He said he forgives me. See, that's life in, that's life in the body of Christ. Um, and, uh, and it was just so sweet. I, and, and that song, American Pie, I just loved singing. I had no idea what it was about. I just loved singing it. Um, and it all these crazy themes, right? Like, like the devil and, you know, pie and... <laughs> Whiskey, I didn't even know what that was, what's that, you know? But I just love that song. And, and for uh, music class in grade eight, I memorized all eight and a half minutes of lyrics that was that song. And it's just a good time, like so many good memories. Uh, I don't have a lot of good memories of my dad, but, but this is one of these really sweet memories that anytime we drive around with the top down, we would just blast his mixtape. And it was like I got to enter into his world a little bit. And it was really cool. So what of yours earliest memories of music and encountering music, what are they? Do you remember them today as vividly as you do yesterday? Like, how, how much does that music carry you throughout your life? Some of us have songs like that. Like, I remember, uh, I can vividly remember certain songs from certain periods in my life and how they made me feel as I was navigating through, uh, through that time. And so, like, it's like Death Cab for Cutie, man. Carried me through a lot of crazy breakups, you know? <laughs> Um, Transatlanticism, that song, oh my gosh, I need you. Yeah, come on, girl, what's up? Yeah, I need you so much closer. Like, I could almost worship to that song. It's talking about the creation of the world and the waters parting and, and, and ground coming up through the water. It's like now that I listen to that song as a Christian, I'm like, oh my gosh. And then the whole back half of the song is just this, is just meditating and shouting out this cry, like, I need you so much closer, right? And uh, obviously he's not singing about God, but... 
uh, it was just, it was so powerful for my little, you know, early 20-year-old brain to, to, to navigate through these breakups that I was going through with some, some of these ladies. Uh, Snow Patrol, anybody know Snow Patrol? Yeah, I say, okay, we're, we just need to talk about music after, right? This song, Run, like, oh my gosh, just bring me to tears, like, uh, anyway. And, uh, um, like, Metric taught me that it was, anyone know Metric? Yeah. Yeah, okay, a few more, because they're like a local Toronto indie band. They taught me that it was, that it was okay to, be, to have fun and express myself in a weird, quirky, unique way that was just me, right? Uh, Broken Social Scene, they're, they're even weirder. They're like a Toronto mega band that all the little bands came out of, because you guys know Feist, right? One, two, three, four, tell me that you love me more, right? She was in Broken Social Scene. Metric, uh, Emily Haynes is in Broken Social Scene. All these bands came out of this one. And, so, and, and some of those songs have had big impact on our life. Um, and so, what is it for you? <clears throat> oh yeah, what's the first What's the first piece of music you ever had to like actually sacrifice money for? I know you kids don't have to worry about that anymore, but some of us actually had to sacrifice some of our money to get music. And so my first CD that I ever purchased was, get this, Christina Aguilera's debut album. (laughs) Yeah, you can imagine exactly why a 10-year-old boy would want that CD, all right? And... uh, Um, and that, but my second album that redeems it a little bit. I got Now 4. Anybody remember the Now series of albums? Yeah? Like, there, it was kind of like a big shiny tunes, right? It was like a compilation of all the hit songs of the day. Even at all. No? <laughs> no. Do you? Ah, that's all right. I forgive you. <laughs> um, uh, and so... What's, what is that music for you? And let's just, let's just go back to the place. The music that kind of marks something in, in your life that you can look back and remember. Because here's, here's the truth. The scripture is actually full of music, right? And that's why we're doing this. It's full of music. And it's full of music that is expressing, people expressing themselves out towards God. Towards God. Right? So you just heard a little bit of my musical journey. What, what, were, what was I expressing myself out to? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe, you, maybe someone would say, like, just the universe, and that's, that's good. But in, this, in the scripture, it's people are expressing, expressing themselves out towards God, an intimate God, a personal God. A, you, we'll get there, but let's just think about this for a second. So David. David is one of the like, most notable songwriters in this book. And so we're going to look a little bit at David for this. Um, because, here we go, this one in particular, the one that Missy wrote, 2 Samuel 22, it's kind of like the top 40 song, one of the, one, the number one top 40 song in the scripture, almost. Like, not for Christian culture. Like, we probably remember like Psalm 23, stuff like that. But we actually know this song in the Bible is like number one. Why is that? Because for all 50 verses that it is, it's repeated twice, almost word for word, all 50 verses. Pretty cool. Maybe there's something to this song, and we should actually probably take a look at it. Because it's basically Psalm 18 is almost word for word exactly 2 Samuel 22, the entire chapter. It's pretty cool, eh? So let's, let's dig in on this. And, and let's dig in on the story of David. Um, so who is David? Let's just start with that. And we could go back. Basically, First and Second Samuel, it's two books in the Bible, but it's, it's uh, in its scroll form. It was probably you know, one 
big scroll that had to be cut out into two because, you know, but it would be one story. Um, yeah, they would have cut it in half because it's hard to keep these long, giant pieces of paper when basically they didn't have paper as we know it today. They were like folding and weaving like leaves together to make paper. See, technology is growing, kids. It's crazy. <laughs> talking about vinyl records and papyrus today. It's nuts. <clears throat> so let's just, let's just go through his life. So David, he's like this little shepherd boy, right? And this, and this guy named uh, Samuel comes up to him, uh, comes looking for someone who's gonna be the next king, right? And all of his older brothers were brought before Samuel, and he's like, no, 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 no. You know, they're big, they're strong, they're good looking and all this stuff, but that's not what we're looking for when we're talking about a king here. Uh, hey, Jesse, this is David's dad. Um, did you leave any of your sons out? Like, he didn't even bring him to be considered when this guy Samuel, the prophet of the Lord, said, bring your sons to be, you know, in front of me because I'm looking for something in particular here. He just left David out, right? And he's the little runt of the group. And so Samuel says, finally gets in touch and says, this guy, this guy is gonna be the future king. He, he then has this, like, crazy uh, battle with this guy named Goliath, like this, one of the best fighters of the Philistine army, which is like Israel, the people of God, they're like, they're great nemesis at this time, right? And so the biggest, baddest guy comes out and says, you know, it's kind of like in the movies when the kings have a challenge, right? If our king beats your king, then we win and we, we get all your stuff. And if you win, then you get all our stuff. And they just leave the fight up to two guys so that everybody doesn't have to die. So there's kind of this moment right here. Goliath's like... I'm the guy, who's gonna fight me? And everyone's like, no way, like no way, except for this guy, David. And David trusts God, and he goes up, and he slings him, and he dies. <laughs> Just like that, it's nuts. And then David, uh, so the king at the time, his name is Saul, and this guy Saul is like a little bit threatened by David, because Saul is definitely got some issues. He is by far not a perfect king, and so he starts coming after David, because David is gaining favor amongst God's people and has been prophesied to be the king that's going to take over. So Saul doesn't like that, and he starts coming after him. And David lives life in this state where uh, literally he's like hiding in caves and like uh, and fleeing from his country and fleeing from this city and that city and getting pursued by this guy Saul. And Saul's just chasing him, chasing him, chasing him. He's literally living for years under threat for his life over and over and over. Uh, and then on many an occasion through these interactions of Saul and David, David is the opportunity to kill Saul. And you know what? He trusts God and he doesn't do it. Very interesting. We're starting to see the heart of David. It's important because he writes so many of these songs. <clears throat> uh, he, so 2 Samuel opens up and Saul is dead. And you know what David does? He weeps over the death of his enemy. He weeps. What would we do if our worst enemy, it, not even the, our worst enemy, just like, just a normal, everyday enemy. Someone who just annoys us, we just won't talk to them, we'd rather just avoid them than deal with them, right? Uh, what would we do if they died? Would you rejoice? Or sorry, would you, would you weep? <laughs> or rejoice, yeah, would you rejoice? What, what, you know, what's going on in our heart? For David, he weeps, right? At the brokenness of the world, that death should not be, and, and, and yeah, and now, and so after this, now it's time for him to be king. 
And there's this long period of, of thriving and you know, the, 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 the people of God uh, finally get um, the, a political state established. Jerusalem becomes the capital and the king establishes his throne there. And then the, the Ark of the Covenant wants to make it the like, what can we say, the religious capital of, of God's people. He restores the Ark of, of the Covenant to literally be in the center of, of God's people. And, and then David says, I wanna, make, I wanna make you a house, God. And God says, well, tell you what, I'm gonna make you a house, actually. And, it's, and, and 2 Samuel chapter seven is like one of the most pivotal, uh, pivotal parts of the scripture because um, it's the time in which God says, and this throne this throne is, is where, where I'm gonna go because I'm gonna establish this throne out into eternity. It'll be an everlasting throne. There'll be an everlasting king that will come from this throne. And this is why this theme of the king is so important throughout scripture. It's why we sing uh, to King Jesus, right? The, the righteous king, the good king. We have all these songs about this king because God is establishing a throne um, that will last forever. And it's that moment that it happens. Uh, and then there's, there's the, oh man, David goes nuts. He, he's like battling all of his enemies and he's succeeding and he's wiping out tens and twenties and you know, 80s of thousands of people, uh, which is nuts. But this means that like actually God's people are being established and they're safe and, uh, and a whole number of things, but like this is, for them, this is victory, this is success, this is God is with us. Um, and then this moment happens in David's life where instead of going out to battle like he should, he stays home. Why did he do that? We could speculate a lot. But this is the moment, instead of going out to do the work of God as the representative and the king over the people of God, he stays home. And this is the moment he's, he's going out on his balcony and he sees a very beautiful naked woman, right? Maybe this is his moment where he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that CD because, you know, Christina Aguilera, let's go, you know? And he sees her, he calls for her, he sleeps with her, she has a husband, so what do we do about the husband? Oh shoot, we don't repent and say, I shouldn't have done that, that was horrible, right? No, let's actually get the husband and let's assassinate him instead. In the peak of they're thriving as a community of God. And this starts this downfall of David's uh, reign as the king. And he has, he has all these sons, and one of the sons basically uh, rapes one of the daughters, and there's, there's incest, it's horrible. Uh, one of the other sons plot, like sets out a plot to, to take out David, and he finds himself out of his out of his uh, kingdom, hiding again, and it's just, everything is just a big old disaster, right? And so now, it, now we get to this point. The son dies, David is back as king, he's defeated some more of his enemies, there's another war with the Philistines, and we get to this point at the end of his life, the end of this crazy biography, that like none of us will ever experience, and we're singing this song. This is the song that he sings, and we heard it up on the screen. If you're paying attention, it's, it's very compelling. It's like very 
beautiful. It's very strong. It's very, after all this time living this life, and we could speculate this, that this song uh, was written maybe closely after uh, uh, David was delivered from Saul's persecution, like before he was king, um, because there's a lot of those themes in it. And so let's say he wrote it at that time in his life, right? And it's like, wow, awesome. I'm delivered from my enemies. God, you're my strong refuge. And now this song is placed again at the end of his life in the scripture right here. And I'll tell, I'll tell you why that's important in a moment. But here's why this song is compelling. And this is our prayer tip, because we want to make this very practical for us. Right? We're asking ourselves, how do we discover prayer? How do we, how do we just get better at prayer? Like, how do we make it so that prayer is a place where we connect with the Lord, where we thrive uh, in the abundant life, and it's a place that gives us life and joy and peace and all the things of God fill us up as we interact with God. And so let's, let's show up our, our prayer tip. Um, this is why this, this song is compelling. Um, it creatively roots David in prayer, in uh, his prayer experience, uh, in his experience of God at work in the world. And if that happens, if, we're, if our prayer is like directly connected to our experience of God at work in the world, I think this is what happens because we see it in this psalm right here. <clears throat> We'll be firm in God's strength and confident in our identity. Okay? What does that mean? Mike, Mike asked me this morning, uh, hey, what's, the, what's like the theme for today, real quick? And I told him this, and he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean, really? Right? What does that mean? Uh, so many times, I think we, we can veil our experience, our life experience, in generality. Right? I was trying to ask myself this week, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Like, like if I was like, hey, how you doing? You know, I'd be like, oh, I'm fine. You know, like, and I always ask why. The worship team probably hates when I do this. Like, right, after we, right after we do worship, we get in the back in our little huddle to pray. I said, how you feeling right now? And most people say, good. And then I say, why? <laughs> why are you good? Right? Good doesn't mean anything. Right? Why are you good? Tell me the story. What's the exact experience that you had that made you good? Right? But instead we hide under this veil of generality. All right? oh, I'm just really struggling with something right now. Well, what is it? What, what happened? Why are you struggling? Like, tell me about who you are. I'm trying to do life with you right now. Right? And we hide under this veil of generality. Instead, we actually need to creatively express ourselves, especially if we're talking about God, in, in our experience of how he's really at work in the world, right? So this is how we pray often, right? God, you're so good, and God, thank you for today, and God, I'm, uh, you know, you're so good, and thank, uh, well, thank you for today, and we have some food, that's awesome, and thank you for the cross, amen, right? That's so much of our prayer experience and our prayer life. And it's just veiled in generalities. Like, what, what are we actually praying about? Like, if I was standing there and you had a conversation with me, right, and I was like, hey, Daniel, how you doing? You say, good, right? I say, okay, cool, like, what'd you do today? Well, I did some errands and I went to work, you know? Or like, yeah, but like, what happened today? Like, what, right? It's like, you didn't tell me anything. 
You're talking to literally, if we're talking about prayer, you're literally talking to a God who knows exactly everything, right? He knows the details, and you just talk in vague generalities, right? Creatively express yourself, number one, and that's by being specific in the stories. Be specific in the details. There are real things happening to you that aren't happening to you. That person over there. But they're happening to you. And so we actually need to genuinely express ourselves. We need to creatively root our prayer experience in real things that are happening. Does that make sense? So if I was like, open up the Bible one day and, I don't know, say, uh, finally, all of you have a unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind, right? If I'm opening my daily devotion here today, I just randomly open to this spot, right? Uh, I could say, you know, God, I, I want to bless our church with unity uh, and sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And that's a, that's a good way to pray, right? It's a good way to pray, because we're praying from Scripture. But how much more if we were like, God, I, I know about this specific instance where there's not unity right now. My two brothers are, are in conflict, or, or there's, there's this leader that's struggling with leading their team over here, and um, just really want to bless them with unity, that, that, that this person would align with the vision over here, and that, you know, and like... It's rooted in your real experience of what's going on in the world. Whoa, how your prayer life would explode and change and transform, right? We, we pretty much got that one, right? So now, another point on this, can, can we just keep the prayer tip up there for a minute? Thank you. Uh, so this creative part. So this is your real experience in the world, right? Now this creative part here. Um, look at Dave's, uh, David's, uh, not Dave over there, David over here. <coughs> Look at, look at the way he expresses this stuff, right? For the waves of death encompassed me. Like, there weren't actual waves, right? Where does he get that, right? I ask Blakely uh, sometimes, um, when she interacts with something kind of for the first time, I say, what's it like? Like, let's say jello, right? She'll she look at it and say, well, it's like a wobbly cake. <laughs> right? What's it like? Like, how are you, you're coming up to something for the first time. It's giving you deep anxiety. You don't know how to deal with it. It's like, oh my gosh, God, it just feels like this wave is coming over. This torrent of destruction is on top of me, right? Oh, how our prayer life would transform if that was the case, right? So two things, I think, arise out of, out of this then. Two things arise, and they're, and they're right here in the prayer tip. Number one, I think we'll start to be more firm in God's strength, right? Like, we, we heard it. That's why I said, we're, Missy and I were debating. Should I read the whole thing? Should I read parts of it? Let's just read the whole thing, right? Why? Because this God is my strong refuge, he made my feet like the feet of a deer. And then he talks about, oh, I was able to consume my enemies and defeat all these, right? Because of God. The Lord lives. He's alive. And blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. Because David is watching for how God is at work in the world, right? And when you are watching for how God is at work, because he is, by the way, 
He is at work in the world. And when you're watching for it, bye, Marita. <laughs> when you're watching for it, oh, what that does to our heart to give us firm confidence in his strength, right? The second thing, it'll give us confidence in our identity. There's this crazy part in this psalm right here. I'm trying to watch the time for you, buddy. It's this crazy part in this, in this psalm right here. I'm just gonna read it to you and ask yourself, could you ever say this? Okay. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. Could you ever say that? Ever. Most Christians are like, no, no, no way, no way. I know how I've failed God, right? I know how I've failed God. Now, here's the crazy thing. This is placed in the story at the end of David's life. After that adultery, after that assassination, of her husband, after uh, all the craziness, after like going out on war and killing thousands upon ten thousands upon eighty thousands, right? Like it's at the end of his life. In the he's his family is a mess, right? One son is raping the daughter. The other son is trying to kill him. He's his whole his whole legacy could potentially be in shambles here. His kingdom is like all over the place, he's on the throne, he's being chased out, he's back on the throne, what's going on here, right? And this psalm's right here, and that's what he's saying. That's crazy. It's literally crazy that he could say that because we look at his life and we just say, that's just totally not true. David, I just read your biography. You can't hide, it's all written down, right? So why, why can he say that? Why can he say that? I think the answer is in verse 33 when he says, this God is my strong refuge. He has made my way blameless. And then we get to Jesus, right? And every Christian, when they see cleanness in his sight, should think about this moment right here the moment of the cross when blood is poured out, Jesus' blood is poured out, and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And it's the blood of the lamb that makes us white as snow. That where we were stained by sin, he has made us new. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anybody? Come on now. Isn't that exciting? Like, for you in here today, you walked in, you probably sinned five minutes ago. So you're like, oh, I hate that guy, Adam, and the way he talks, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and he's so annoying, but, and that's true. But, uh, <laughs> uh, 
but you, you turn, maybe you turn to your neighbor, you gossiped about it, I don't know. Uh, but you know, maybe, maybe you sin this morning, like as you're setting up, you know, you're like, why do I bother all this stuff? You know, why do I come here and plug in these cords? Why do I, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe you stole something from somebody because they were looking and they were worshiping songs or you went in their purse and you just grabbed something, right? Like, yeah, all the ladies just zip their purse closed. Uh, right, like, like you've, you've sinned at some point recently and if you think you haven't, you are blind. And that's why we covenant together, so we can open each other's eyes to our blindness, okay? But you, we have been stained by sin, and Jesus comes in, pours out his blood, knowing all past sin, all future sin, I'm going to deal with it right now in this moment. And he says, you are clean, you are forgiven, you are new, come and follow me. Amen? So let's celebrate that. Let us, let us creatively express ourselves out to the Lord in response to the things that he is doing in the world so that we can be firm and confident in his strength and confident in our identity in him. Is that cool? We do that? So, so I wrote a little song for you. Let's just throw the, this is the new song line that comes right out of this, uh, right out of this song. It says, Sing praise, sing praise, for the rock is alive, a mighty fortress who will never die. This day, this day, he delivered us. We hold on to your righteousness, amen? Who knows, maybe that's a song of ours one day, who knows? But, uh, but the point of this is, let's go out and let's sing a new song. Let's pray a new prayer. Let's break out of that mold that keeps us trapped in these veils of generality. Let's have a real, genuine experience watching for what God is doing out in the world. Amen? Awesome. Let's worship. Let's sing. Let's respond. Jesus, thank you that we are here right now and that you are alive and that you are doing things. Make us your people. Make us a, pe- a people who are attentive to the things that you're doing in this world. Make us a people who are creative and expressive and, and enjoy your presence and enjoy uh, speaking out who you are in unique ways, not just stuck in old, dead, religious habits. I pray this in your name, amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.